Boker Tov, good morning, Rabotai. Today's class and uh, breakfast is sponsored by uh, Colin Goldstein in loving memory of Bernard Goldstein, Alava Shalom, Leilui Nishmat, Yishaya Dov Ben David, um, and as well in loving memory of Eva and Werner Baer, Alehem Shalom, Leilui Nishmatim, Shlomo Ben Moshe and Dalia. Alava Shalom and Fredo Bat Chaim Shmuel and Chava Alava Shalom. Sponsored by the daughter Michelle Mandelman. Hazaku Baruch, thank you very much. Rabotai, um, we find a very interesting split in this week's parasha. When we spoke about the other day this idea that uh, Yaakov wants to be buried in the land of Eretz Israel, and he asks his son, he says, please, please bury me there. Swear to me that you'll bury me there. And, uh, and that there is where it ends in the beginning of the parasha. You carry on a little bit later, and then suddenly uh, Yaakov says, please bring me your children, I want to give them a beracha. Yaakov brings him the children, he says, who are these people? Yosef answers, he says, okay, bring me, I want to bless them. He starts blessing them, in the middle of this process of blessing the two children of, uh, of, of uh, Yosef, he says that they will be to him like Reuven, and they'll be like to him like Shimon, it's like they're his own kids. And then he literally goes on what seems to be a very interesting tangent. When I was coming from Padan Aram, from Lavan, Rachel passed away by Eretz Kenan, she died on the, on the road outside of Ephrata, and I buried her there where, where today we know is Kever Rachel, right outside of uh, where Bethlehem is, where, and it still there stands there to this day. Now, why is it that Yaakov is bringing up the death of Rachel here randomly, and the fact that she passed away, and the fact that he buried her on the side of the road? Rashi says on the spot, Yaakov was saying to Yosef, I'm asking you to go through the trouble of burying me all the way in the land of Eretz Israel. We're in Egypt now. I'm asking you to take me all the way, Egypt air, you know, through customs, bring it down, through, uh, you know, all the way over there. It's a big, it's a big job. And for your own mother, I wasn't, I didn't even bring her from the edge of the town of uh, Ephrata into the area of civilization. I buried her on the road. So I know Viadati and I know Alai. I know that in your heart you have against me, you're upset against me about, about that. He says, but you should just know that I buried her there, um, specifically with the Nivuah. And we spoke about this on Shabbat a while ago in the class about love and sacrifice. Rabotai, but I don't want to focus here on what it is that was happening with uh, Rachel and the entire drama of this story. What I want to ask is its placement is very strange. Rav Shalom Shwadron points out that if this is the case, if Yaakov is trying to explain to his son Yosef, that he should bury him there. Say it where you first asked, where Yosef swore to him. In fact, Yosef didn't hesitate for one second, he just said yes. So why is Yaakov beating this dead horse? Why is he coming back to the parashat, to this question again, of explaining the whole story uh, uh, with Rachel? And he brings the most beautiful answer. Mm. He brings the most beautiful answer. As to why, first of all, it's not in the beginning of the parasha, and second of all, why he interjects in the middle of the, the blessing of Ephraim and Asher when he talks about them and how much, uh, how, much he loves, how much he loves them, why he's talking about that specifically. Rav Shalom Shwadron explains that when Yaakov was asking Yosef to bury him in Eretz Israel, that was a test for Yosef. It was a test to see if Yosef would come and ask him, 
How come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do it for my mother? You're asking me to do it like this? Instead, Yosef remains quiet and he accepts without even asking a single question. Says Rav Shalom Shwadron, that is exactly the connection. Yaakov just got finished saying that these two sons, Ephraim and Asher, sorry, Ephraim and Asher, Kiruuben Vishimon Yuli, will be for me like Reuven and Shimon. Now, one might think that that was just an expression, an emotive expression of love. You know what? Your kids, they're like my kids, right? That's maybe what you could have understood Yaakov was trying to say. However, Chazal tell us that what Yaakov was actually saying is that these two kids of yours, they will be considered like two shivatim. Levi got taken out of the 12 shivatim because he became the rabbi, the rabbinic, the, uh, you know, the clergy, if you will. He doesn't get his own portion of the land of Eretz Israel. So now really it's being divided up between 11 tribes. There's more for each of them. Comes your, uh, Yaakov and he says, no, these two sons of yours, it's as if they're part of the shivatim. Said the Mefarshim that what did Yaakov effectively do? He de facto moved the Bechorah, the firstborn from Reuven to Yosef. And what do we know happens to a Bechor? A Bechor receives in the Yerusha, Pishnaim, whatever it is that he inherits. Yaakov says, Israel was promised to me. I'm now giving that over in Yerusha. And what I'm telling you, when I tell you that Ephraim and Asher are to me like Reuven and Shimon, it's not an expression of affection. It's a halachic, it's a legal expression of the transference of Bechorah. So now that I've told you that, that you are now the Bechorah, not Reuven, so the question is why, the question is why did this happen? What merited this transference of Bechorah from Reuven to Yosef? Yaakov says, you know why? When I came from Padan Aram, you know what happened? When I came Padena, you know what happened? I, I buried your mother on the road. And I know that you have in your heart claims and anger against me. Why is Yaakov saying this? Yosef already said yes. What is he saying? It sounds like he's trying to convince him after the fact. And the answer is that's not what he was saying at all, says Rav Shalom Shwadron. What he was saying is not, not that you weren't going to do it. I'm noticing, and this is why I'm telling you that you are worthy to be the Bechor. Because, you know why you got Ephraim Menashek to be like Reuven and Shimon? Because when I came from Padan Aram and I buried your mother at the, on the side of the road, right? I knew you were upset and still you said nothing. You didn't doubt me. You didn't question me. You didn't disobey. However, Reuven, when he saw that his mother was being perhaps uh, in, the eye, in his eyes, Yaakov's choices were maybe not giving the proper kavod to his mother, what does he do? He goes in and he moves Yaakov's bed from the tent of Bilah to the tent of his mother, Aviv. That means that he second-guessed his father's choices for the honor of his mother. Rachel also was being, so to speak, dishonored by not being buried, never mind in the land of Israel, but he, Yosef probably thought she should have been buried in the Marat HaMachpelah. And still Yosef didn't ask any questions. He didn't challenge his father. Yaakov says, now you merit the Bechorah. And that's why it's over here in the parasha. Not because it's not about convincing anymore. It's about noticing Yosef's conviction. Why am I mentioning this specifically here? Because I think there's a tremendous lesson which um, transcends perhaps the local uh, scenario 
in which we're being taught this idea. And that is that it's not just that he got the Bechorah because he did something good. Do a mitzvah, get payback. Do something nice, now you're the Bechor. But rather, that it was appropriate, it was na'eh v'ya'eh that Yosef should be the Bechor because what is the job of the Bechor? What's fascinating to note is that there's a machloket ha'poskim whether or not a person is obligated to honor their older brothers. Whether they are obligated to honor their oldest brother, that everybody knows. Because the pasuk says, Kabed et avicha ve'et imecha. Kabed et et in the Torah is always lirabot. It always includes. But whenever you include something with a ribui of et, the Gemara explains that what you are doing is you're saying, it's this thing, A, and et means also something like A, which is not quite like A. Let me give you another example. The Gemara says that Shimon Amsoni, he did, he was Doresh, every single time it said et in the Torah, he explained what it means, until it came to et Hashem Elokech Why? Because he was looking for something that was similar to the concept itself, but was less than it. Said Shimon Amsoni, what is like God, but less than it? There's nothing that's even comparable. Like we say in the tefillah. There's nothing, not that's the same as you. There's nothing that you can even compare to. There's nothing which is the same but less. So Shimon Amsoni was trying to do the derasha, but suddenly came to an et that he couldn't interpret. Until Rabbi Akiva came along and said, Et lerabot, tamidei chachamim. Et is coming to include tamidei chachamim. So the same idea, kabed et avicha vetimecha says, honor your parents. Says the Gemara, what else are we doresh from the word et? Who else do you have to honor? The bechor. The oldest brother. Now again, there's a machloket if it's all the oldest siblings or only the oldest. But at least the oldest, the Bechor, everyone agrees. Why? Because the job of the Bechor is to be like but less than the parents. The job of the Bechor, every Bechor needs to know. And they say, what do you mean? It's my parents' job. It's the parents' job. No. Like the Pasuk says, Cain turns to God and he says, Hashomer Anochi, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question actually is yes, just like the parents are obligated to be uh, uh, their, their, their son's keeper, their son's guiding light, their son's moral compass, their son's encourage, uh, encouragement in difficult times. Also, the obligation falls on the oldest in the family and according to other opinions, on all older siblings to look out for and to look after their younger siblings. And I like to ask this question because I think sometimes people think that that job only applies when they are young, when they are kids, when you have to look out for the kid on the playground. But actually, in many ways, it's more nogat, it's more relevant as they grow older, as they have businesses, and their businesses might not be as strong as they need to be. As an older brother, you step in, you make sure that the person has what they need. If they need a loan, if they need some advice, you take the time to be able to try and influence in a good way, in a positive way in their lives. Kabed et avicha means you're a mini father. So therefore, the reason why Yosef's reward for not questioning his father was to be the Bechor was because he was actually enacting that exact idea. He was standing by and standing for the, uh, the morals and the decisions that his dad had made. What an unbelievable opportunity it is for all older brothers, but specifically for the Bechor, for the head of the family, the oldest in the family, to take 
a role and to take responsibility to do everything they can to shape, to guide, and to heal the family around them. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.